Hey guys, welcome to the Kevin and Fred show. My name is Kevin Kaufman. I'm your host. And I just want to say thank you for taking some time out to listen with us this week. Do me a favor. If you don't mind, before we get to today's guest, head on over to ratethispodcast.com. That is ratethispodcast.com forward slash NLA. That stands for next level agents. Ratethispodcast.com forward slash NLA and leave us a review or just go to any podcast player that you prefer and uh, look us up, The Kevin and Fred Show, and please leave us a review. That is the best way to support our efforts here in the show. All right, let's get to today's episode. All right, guys, we're back on The Kevin and Fred Show, and I am rejoined by my friend, my business partner, guy I uh, just look up to a lot for a lot of reasons, both personally and professionally, Mr. Uh, Andrew Franklin. How's it going, buddy? It's going well, man. Thanks uh, uh, for having me. I get the pleasure of doing this with you and uh, seeing you in person tomorrow. So uh, excited to do this and and catch up with you uh, in person as well. Me too. For those of you listening, uh, you'll have already missed it, but Andrew and I are both speaking at and attending the Sphere Rocket uh, Business Conference in Dallas, Texas, uh, the week of, so I guess it'll be like May 19th through the 21st. And so uh, we're recording this on the 18th of May, probably be out sometime in June, I'd guess. But at any rate, Andrew, dude, I'm, I'm glad to have you back because last time you were on the show, we talked a lot about your business. I remember we covered everything from the structure of your buyout deal from your dad um, and how yeah. you and your sister worked on that. And we kind of, we sort of touched on um, some of the other things that you had started to put your, your dip your toes into, which, I, which is what I wanted to focus on today. So you guys are obviously you're crushing it on the sales side. I think you did, if I remember correctly, about 1700 transactions or so last year, which I think for a lot of people to realize like that happened in one single market. Um, like that's a lot, that's a lot of real estate to sell. Um, but what you, what I've always admired about you from the day I met you is you realized the other opportunities that that has created, uh, you know, namely like title and, and you've really branched out from there as well. So if we could, could, do you mind walking us through, I understand the Franklin team, like the sales team, yep. and you guys sell a lot of houses, but talk to me about the, the other businesses that have kind of been, that have been generated because of all of the stuff that you're doing with the Franklin team. Yeah. And, and a lot of this wasn't a grand plan. Um, it was just sort of, uh, you know, being around mentors and coaches like yourself and, and, and attending masterminds. But the, the title company is probably the only exception to that. Um, my dad, uh, when we bought the business from him eight, nine years ago, my dad had already had a passive ownership in a title company. So he had shares. Uh, he sent business there and got paid. Uh, in Texas, you, you own a percentage of the company and you get distributions, whether you send business or you don't send business. Um, and so when I got into the business, um, he had that ownership. It wasn't a substantial number, but it was better than nothing. It was less than six figures that he made um, for that ownership. Um, then, um, and that was when my dad was probably selling, uh, when I just actually looked up this number for the presentation we're doing tomorrow. But um, my dad was selling like 450 deals in 2013. Um, so he was controlling about um, 10 to 15 title deals a month. Um, and he made a little bit less than six figures. Uh, when, when we took over, we tried to, uh, to actually scale the business and go outside of just West Houston and cover all the city of Houston. And we were able to do that. We started selling more real estate and the title company started selling us more shares as we were selling more real estate. Um, and we just thought that was the arrangement. We get bigger and we get more bigger piece of the pie. 
Um, and then I started shopping title companies of, okay, this guy keeps giving us more shares and he's still happy to give us more shares and he's still, you know, loving on us and all this stuff. So he has to make some money too. And we're made, our money is continuing to grow. So I just started really talking to everyone. I wanted to understand what the financials of a title company looked like. So if it made sense for us to break off and do our own thing. So we started talking to a lot of different companies and, and basically came to the conclusion that we had a pretty good deal uh, for being a passive owner at where we were at. And if we wanted to get more income, we're going to have to take a lot more risk and do our own thing. Um, we did that. We're going on our fifth year uh, owning a title company. Um, and now we have four locations. Um, and it's been it's been one of the hardest things we've ever done, um, especially the first six to nine months. It's hard to find talented people in the title space. And um, there's just not a lot of people getting into it. Um, but it's been one of the best things we've ever done. It's very profitable. It's sort of running on its own now. And so that was sort of the start into our ancillary business, having our own title company. Looking back on those, because I remember um, we, that's when we were really getting to know each other was when you yeah. were building that. I remember you like literally before your launch talking about it. Um, looking back on that time, like what were some of the biggest lessons that maybe were a surprise to you in starting? Because you didn't, I, I think it's important to note, like you didn't go JV with a company, right? And which is, I want, I'm not putting that down. That's an easier way. That's a softer landing into quote unquote, owning a title company or into some ancillary services you went full out and like started from scratch, which meant there was, there was a lot more work there for you and a lot more risk too. What, what were some of the biggest lessons that were maybe even a surprise to you? One of the biggest lessons is you can research and do all this stuff ahead of time. And you can talk to, I mean, I was setting up uh, meetings with presidents of other title companies and relationships I have. And I was, uh, Fidelity was our, uh, was our first underwriter. And they, I had many a cocktails with those people, uh, just picking their brain. What's a title examiner, all this stuff. So I learned a ton. And one of the biggest lessons was I didn't know anything, uh, once I got into it. Um, so I probably knew more than 99% of realtors out there of, of what title was and how it operated. But until I got into the business, um, I didn't really realize how, how tough it was. Um, and not just title. I, I think it's a lesson that anyone can learn in any business. Um, you can be so overly prepared, but you have to sort of jump and get into it to really start to be an expert um, and, and so that was the biggest lesson on the, on the other big lesson in title. I, I already mentioned it, um, at least in, 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 in Houston or Texas, it's just, there's just not a ton of talent, um, um, getting into the space. It's unlike real estate. It's unlike some of the other ancillary business in real estate. It's just, it's a harder industry, um, for a lot of people to be in. There's a lot of grinding. It's always the title company's fault. And so I think there's just not as much new talent. And I would say that was the toughest thing for me um, is finding the talent that could create good service and then still be able to, to, to be profitable. Um, a lot of these underwriters have a lot more room to play with um, because they don't have to pay the underwriting expense. And so they can pay uh, in some instances, pay, pay more um, than other independent title agencies. Yeah, that's, man, that's a lot. You definitely took the harder path of the two, um, you know, when it, when it comes to that. 
how did that, so title was the first thing you obviously it's going well. I think you said four locations now. Um, what, like, was that a surprise to you that you did it actually grow like that to more than one location? Like when you went into this, was it with the thought process of expanding past the location to begin with, or was it like, Hey, let's just go, we're going to make this one as profitable as we can. And then, and then how to, you know, see what happens. I always have a pretty big vision and, and there. Um, so the, the goal was to have 10 or 15. Um, there's a, a really good uh, real estate team in our market that's been around a long time. Like my dad's was Remax a long time. Like we were um, and uh, he created uh, a title company, great American title um, in, um, in Houston. And they ended up selling this year, um, to Stewart, I believe for a big number, but he was that guy that ran a real estate team, then did an independent title agency and really scaled it. So I always looked at, and he was one of the guys I was picking his brain. Um, and so the goal, and, and I realized early that title becomes a lot easier when you have more locations, you can capitalize, on more of your relationships um, because I could have some amazing relationship 45 minutes away from my office, a realtor or a lender. They're likely, maybe it's a little bit different now post COVID with e-notaries and, and all that, but still most people want to be somewhat close if they have to go pop in and grab a check or, or, or drop something off. It's not, it's still a little bit antiquated of a, of a, of a, of a model in the title space. Um, so the goal really was um, to scale it and to have multiple locations because also in title, you have a lot of fixed costs. So the bigger you get, the more profitable you are. Um, and that's definitely been something. And, and honestly, I wish we'd have more locations. It's just that talent question. Um, but, um, you know, it's, it's been a great ride, a, a new location every year uh, about. So if we continue at that pace, we'll be a pretty good size. Um, and we're, it's crazy. We, um, you know, we've been at the sales business. My dad started our business in, I think this will be our 40th year and um, wow. the title company, this is our fifth year and we're starting to um, catch up very closely to what we're netting out of title compared to what we're netting on the Franklin team. So that's pretty cool to see that we can have an ancillary business that we almost shouldn't call it an ancillary business anymore. It might be the main business because uh, it's, it's catching up on revenue and profit. That's pretty cool. So it's not the only, it's not the only ancillary there is, or it's not the only business there is too. So what, um, what, what came next? If you don't mind, like, I know the, obviously I know the answer to this, but you know, for the listener yeah. who doesn't know, what was the next step for you as it pertains to business outside of the, the traditional sales team? Yeah. And, and I got to give credit to, to Brett Tanner on this one. Um, I was at, you know, buddies of ours and, and you might, you actually, you and Fred are the reason um, I know Brett and, and Brian and attended one of their masterminds and Brett on uh, one of those sessions said hard money lending was his favorite business. It was very quiet. And I was in here with two very loud businesses. And when I say loud, I mean, a lot of people, uh, both title and sales, uh, real estate sales is a lot of people. No, no way around it. If you want to grow to a big business, you have to have a lot of bodies and a lot of people. And that means a lot of headaches and a lot of just a lot of issues. More people create more issues. Um, there's no way of, of uh, we have amazing people. I will say that we have amazing people, but it's just, uh, just a lot more to deal with. 
And so when Brett said that, it really resonated with me. Um, I didn't, I was like a lot of realtors. I sort of considered a realtor over here and an investor over here. And most people don't do both. Um, and realtors don't like investors because investors don't want to pay realtors and investors don't like real, just, it's, it's this sort of uh, weird sort of thing. And, and a lot of people play both, but I would say an overwhelming majority of the realtors do not want to be investors. And that's how I was. My dad, to my knowledge, um, owned maybe a couple of rentals in his 40 year career. So he never really went to the other side. And so when Brett said that, it, it uh, sort of piqued my interest. And so I ended up hiring him to, to coach me and, and just learn what hard money lending was because um, I couldn't have picked up the phone and referred you a hard money lender uh, two and a half years ago. Um, and when he said that, I started learning the business and learning all, um, about, uh, you know, what it was and, and really how big of a hole it was in our market. Um, and me and my dad started a hard money lending business. It's been about two years ago. Um, and now we've sort of, we don't lend, uh, we lend some of our cash, um, but we're now up to eight uh, warehouse banks. Um, we just got a commitment, um, our biggest commitment yet, um, and it's not official, but we're apparently having a term sheet tomorrow where one community bank is going to give us $10 million to um, lend uh, to our borrowers. Um, so that's what we're doing. So wow. we have a hard money lending business. Um, we lend to non-owner occupied borrowers. So fix and flip guys, buy and hold, small builders, new construction. Uh, we make the underwriting decisions. We service the loans. We, um, we make all the decisions on that front. But then we have these warehouse banks that sort of um, help us fund the transaction. So Currently, right now, we have about $12 million outstanding of loans. Um, and really, um, the biggest um, issue has been capacity, loan capacity. Like until we added these, these two banks and then this third one that I just mentioned, um, we were at our capacity. Most of the banks were giving us $2 million here, $3 million here. And so we, there's just a lot of demand. Um, and we've spent really no money marketing or lead generating. Um, it's such a big hole um, that we've been able to put the money to use just with relationships and, you know, doing a good job. So if I'm, if I'm hearing you correctly, like your biggest problem is actually you, your money's all went out all the time. That that's a, that's a big issue. Um, and really the only issue, but the way these banks are structured, we, um, we have to put money in every deal. And so, um, at some point, it's going to be a cash issue. We're not quite there yet. Um, but the cool thing, like I said, Brett's initial comment, it was a quiet business. Um, so my, my dad and I own it uh, with, with my stepmom, my dad's wife. My stepmom is pretty full-time in the business. And then we have one other employee. So that would be um, my next question. So from an employee standpoint, it's it's your, your basically your stepmom and then one other full-time employee. Yeah. And I probably spend just looking at deals, maybe a relationship meeting every now and again, I'm probably spending two to three hours a week in it. So I'm definitely not full-time. Um, but they, they are full-time. We are looking for a third person just to scale. Um, but once we have some software we're working on, um, to implement, um, 
I think this thing could go to like 50 million loans outstanding with like three or four people. It's crazy, crazy to think with, about. With three or four people. Yeah, yeah. So, and, and we're servicing our own loans too. So we're sitting out, sending out invoices. We're managing the draw request when the borrower wants uh, to rehab. So Brett was right on the money, man. It, it is a quiet business from a people perspective. You can make serious money um, with not a huge amount of people. So what, let me ask you the same question. Like I asked you on the title side, what's been the biggest surprise or, or lessons, uh, maybe not even doesn't have to be a surprise, but maybe it was a surprise to you. What's been the biggest surprise or biggest lessons in the hard money business? The big, there's no like, holy crap, kept me up to cup up at night. Cause this is so hard for like title. Um, it's like the opposite, to be honest with you. It's like, holy crap. Uh, there's a big need in the marketplace for this. And you have big guys that are bigger than us. And then you have guys that are like lending out of their, you know, IRA or 401k. And so we created a pretty cool niche where we're, we can be, we, we think we could be one of the big guys, um, especially now that this bank just gave us 10 million bucks. Um, there's not a lot of people in our market doing more than, you know, 20, 30 million at a time. So we could be a big one, but it, it was crazy at how many people want to be investors and how many people don't have access to capital um, because this is a very unique product, right? They can't go, even if they're bankable, most of them can't go and, and get a traditional loan. People, if they have cash, they can do one or two deals. Like not a lot of people have, you know, five, six, 700, 800 grand of cash laying around. Um, and so the biggest lesson is that this is an underserved market and it, it quickly turned into, hey, this might be my favorite business because it is easy to grow. We've spent zero money marketing and we've spent zero money lead generating. That's just crazy to think about. Um, we'll have a business that I think can net seven figures, spending zero dollars in both of those avenues. Um, so those are my biggest lessons of like, wow, this sales business feeds everything else I do, but these other businesses are a lot cooler and a lot easier to make money. Yeah, so uh, speaking of other businesses, what, like, what else is there? So I have two more. Um, so with the hard money, it's, it's funny, all these lessons, if you just open up your eyes and pay attention or just right in front of your face, one, one of those lessons is there's a lot of smart people, like get in the right rooms and be around the right people and you can learn a lot. And, and honestly, you and Fred are the, the, the ones that completely changed my view of that. Um, and, and I've said over and over, you know, Fred was my first coach and it just sort of opened my eyes, of uh, going to conferences and building these relationships. So, um, once I started understanding that and paying attention, it's been, it's literally been life-changing. Um, but, uh, just like in the hard money side, I was seeing people that we were lending money to making 60 grand on a flip or 70 grand on a flip or having a hundred rentals. Um, and doing some cool stuff. It wasn't just about money, just doing some cool stuff. And, and so um, about six to nine months into being the hard money lending space, I had, I had one rental and it was a, I, I owned a house. I got married. I moved in with my wife, had a house. We rented that. So I had run, one rental property. 
Um, and so never done a, actually I had done a flip that we bought off MLS. Um, a part, a buddy of mine handled it. We made like two grand each on the deal. So it wasn't, we didn't know what we were doing. Um, and that, but that's the only thing I had done on the investment side, but I, I'd seen what these investors are doing, uh, just being a hard money lender, um, coming back. Like I got a text this morning, a guy, uh, one of my partners at EXP, Sam Caratala, he was like, man, I'm closing on a loan today, or I'm, I'm paying you guys back today. Uh, like how did the, how did the flip end up? He's like, ah, oh, didn't, it didn't appraise. So I ended up and I hope he's okay with me sharing it. Uh, I'll ask for forgiveness instead of permission. He's like, it didn't appraise and I made 90 grand on the flip instead of a hundred grand. And so I was seeing those kind of stories, um, not stories. I was seeing those kind of events happen. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to start my own real estate investing business because, you know, a, a lot of people I know are like, hey, if you run a big real estate sales team, you should have a lot of investment opportunities. Um, if you just start looking and incentivizing your agents. So I found a partner about a year, a year ago to sort of run the day to day. I'm a couple hours in that business. Um, and we've now um, we've bought 20 properties in that year um, without turning on marketing either. Um, we just turned on marketing and now like we contracted two houses this week. We're wholesaling now. Um, so it's starting that business uh, to get where we want to get. We're gonna we're gonna have some prospects, prospecting callers. We've turned on some SEO, pay per click stuff that is leading to some business. But I think that business can get to you know if you include the wholesales, we'll end up doing probably buying you know five ten homes a month pretty quickly. Um, and and so that's been a fun business. We're we're flipping some, but we're holding most. Um, and we're doing some Airbnb and VRBO stuff, short-term rental. We're going to do some new construction, some build for rent stuff. My partner that I partnered with has his own construction business. So his company handles all the construction for the houses we buy. Wow. I, I love that too. And I, I love you. You mentioned Sam, like on the, on the flip, like he's also a partner within your EXP world. Uh, we, I get, you know, technically within both of our worlds. Right. And yeah. so there's a lot of synergy there. Like this is the thing that um, this is one of the coolest things. And this is not necessarily a plug for EXP that I want people to hear. But what I do want people to hear is that as agents now, I think we have the opportunity more than ever that to take advantage of these of our networks, like only in the past, only broker owners could do. Like it was thought like you had to own the brokerage, right? You had to own the franchise or the local brokerage. And then you could kind of source deals from all the agents in the brokerage that you own, buy all the kind of crappy listings, flip them and do stuff like that, or have the title or, or the lending side. Whereas what we're able to do now, and it's really easy for, for you and I to be able to source that from within our own ecosystem of agents. And we're actually seeing is some one of the coolest things I tell people is I'm just, we're seeing more and more deals being put together by agents that are already in relationship and networking together. And to me, that is such a plus and a win for us as agents on the ground floor. Everything that I've been able, the, the most effective thing I've been able to do to grow all those, those three businesses, um, title, hard money lending and real estate investing is all because of the relationships that I had through EXP. And again, it's not a plug at all, but um, there, if you look at our borrowers on the hard money side, 
or you look at a lot of the deals we've been buying off market have been referrals from realtors. Um, A lot of those have been people that I'm already in relationship with some, not some at eXp, some not, um, but a lot at eXp, a lot of them close at my title company. And so for anyone that's trying to like really grow a lot of different businesses, you don't have to come to eXp, but build relationships with realtors um, because it has been a game changer. It's why I can say, oh, we're growing these businesses and we're not spending a ton of money on marketing and legion. We're spending money on building these relationships because the realtor, they might not be an investor, but they have investors that need hard money or or if 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 they're seeing sellers that maybe don't fit the retail box and they need a quick uh, solution off market because the house in disrepair or some some other issue. And so realtors, you know, they they have a lot of relationships and they even if they don't partake in those other ancillary places, they do have relationships that do. And so those have been huge referral sources for us. That's awesome, man. Um, Andrew, as we, as we wind down, let me ask you this. Like, what's the one. What's the word I'm looking for? Maybe message or something that you would like to get out to listeners or kind of realtors around the country like. What's the, what's the thing they're missing that you wish more people understood? I think the biggest thing that I've had a revelation is you, you can decide not to do any of this stuff and you don't have to, but I think you need to change your mindset of I'm just a realtor. I'm going to go and list a, a home or help them buy like you need to be more of a solutions provider um, where, and, and I was the same exact way. Cause that's how I was brought up. Like I would get a listing lead and some, I would walk to the house and that person would have 40 grand of repairs. And I would say, Hey, go call an investor. I can't really help because this isn't on MLS. Like I was literally giving away money. Like, and you don't have to take down the flip or, or do it yourself, but you can refer it to someone and get paid. And so to sort of change your mindset of, Hey, I do it this way. And I'm a, I'm going to find nice houses and people that need to sell nice houses. And I'm not going to touch anything else. Um, Once you sort of realize that there is 50 different lanes you can go into to create ancillary revenue um, that also create a solution for the client um, a lot better. And, and you start to learn how to create those more solutions, your world's going to get bigger. And once I realized that, that, Hey, I don't have to just do one thing. I can create more solutions for more people, which is going to make my world bigger. I'm going to have more job opportunities for people, more growth opportunities for people, and my revenue is going to grow as well. So I think um, that's a big message. The other big message we already talked about, but get yourself in rooms of people doing stuff that you want to do. Like I'm constantly trying to find better and better rooms because I learn every time I'm in a room with big thinkers. Yeah, no doubt. Dude, Andrew, thank you very much, man. This was, this was awesome. And uh, I have a feeling we could probably do a part three here and uh, go on for a few more hours. Maybe we'll, uh, we'll space those out, but looking forward to seeing you tomorrow in Dallas, my man, and uh, take it easy. We'll, We'll see you soon. Sounds good, buddy. Love you, man. Love you, brother. Talk to you soon. All right, guys. All right, see you next week on the Kevin and Fred Show. Did you enjoy today's podcast? Join the Kevin and Fred community, part of EXP Realty, and partner with us today. You'll get free access to live trainings two or more times a month, live events, and in-person masterminds. 
digital downloads to help you run and scale your business, and much, much more. To learn more and join our community, visit kevinandfred.com slash contact and contact us today. Not ready to join our community? No problem. Continue enjoying all this great content on our podcast for free.